Hi, and welcome to episode 340 of No Crying in Baseball, the Good Morning Baltimore episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. I just, you're, you're continuing our musical theme. I am. Yeah, that was very clever of you. I am. I'm leaning into a theme. Very, I love hairspray. Also. Right? Yes. Right? It's so good. And also, um, it h- helped me drive what t-shirt I was going to wear for the episode, because we're talking about Miami today, and usually when we do that, I wear my glass ceiling shattered oh. t-shirt in honor of Kim Ng, but she's not there anymore, and there's a lot of happy Baltimore news, and I'm a happy Baltimore fan, so I'm leaning in to the birds today. If I thought about my wardrobe as much as you do... You- you know, I'm not on, on camera for that little short bit, so I guess it doesn't matter as much. So I do have more for my own spirit, which means always wearing Red Sox gear. However, I should have worn my Serie del Caribe, well, not Serie, the, the World Baseball Classic t-shirt that I got, because that would be sort of Miami, Miami-esque. You know what? You could have just said that you were wearing that, and no one would know. Right. Oh, Potty Mouth right. is wearing a World Baseball Classic t-shirt right now in honor of the Serie del Caribe. And, you know, because I'm in charge of editing, I could make that sound like... That's all. You have that. so much power. <laughs> yes. Yes, you I really do. have so much Ooh. power. Hey, we cross trained yesterday. It was fun. In such a fun way. We went to Denison's for their winter cask classic, which is um, my favorite part of the Venn diagram where you put cask beer over the big circle that says hockey on it. And I'm yeah. right in the middle of it. And I am drinking Potty Mouth's winnings <laughs> right now because we both yeah. participated in the hockey shootout after having just the right amount of beer. Absolutely. And I. I hold to the fact that she and I were tied, but I don't care because you ended up with third place and I'm drinking your winning. So I, sure. it's, a, it's an all around win. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and we neither of us went in with any sort of high hopes of winning anything. So under promise, yeah, over deliver. Really. We each got four out of six shots on goal. And that goalie was mean. Yeah. So if you want to it's see... It's a goalie of steel. Yeah, it's it's on... I, I believe I put it on our Instagram. Also, DC Beer has you shooting, or I think, I'm pretty sure, on their, on all their right. Instagram thing. All right, that's so, exciting. So check it out. Yes, we love hockey. It was super. Anyway, so the, the prize-winning beer that Potty Mouth brought home is the Southside IPA, which is my favorite beer from Denison's. So I'm very excited about that. And you're drinking something different. Ditto. Yeah, I am. I, I'm a little beard out after yesterday. We yeah. drank. We drank so much beer, and then we drank meat at the end. So that was. But I'm drinking the green tea party. At green tea party, I think is what it's called. It's it's the a tenth ward cocktail in a can, and it has green tea in it. So that I'm usually hesitant to drink it in the evenings because I don't know, just that little bit of caffeine uh, and and my my brain believing that it's gonna wake me up would probably keep me awake. But now because we're going out right after this recording with a bunch of friends, I figure I need the green tea. It's therapeutic and uh, will help me stay awake for the for the day, hopefully. You are so good at talking yeah. the world into believing that a cocktail is a health food. Oh, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. On today's show, so much O's. We've got a little bit of hot stove. We've got our guys from Seattle and Miami. We're cross-training with hockey. We've got a police blotter update that we don't like at all. And we've got news from the Serie del Caribe. Cheers. Cheers. All right. I'm trying to focus here. Boy, that that yesterday really did get to me. But I also wanted just to to reflect a a little bit on uh, last weekend when I was in New York City. And we talked about that. A uh, little, I was definitely, jet lagged isn't the right word because I was in a bus. bus lagged? I was bus lagged. Yeah. I was bus lagged when we got, when we were recording last week. Maybe that's why we're tired now because we took the bus to the brewery. That, Are we bus lagged? <laughs> that, yeah, I'm sure that we're bus lagged. <laughs> 
And what I didn't mention, I think, when we were recording last week, oh man, those brain cells, um, was they're, that- They're never coming back. That, that they're gone for good. Uh, that when we're in New York City, so were like most of our favorite MLB guys because it was the Baseball Players Writers uh, Award night. And I checked the map and it was literally like five blocks from where we were staying. Like I could have really gone and stopped by and visited. But I didn't think of it at the time. We were out at Spam a lot. And the other thing that I missed was stopping at the MLB store, which is something that I like to do when we're in like that neighborhood of New York City. And if I had gone, there is a slight chance that I would have bumped into the Acuna brothers. And this seems to be like a, uh, a pattern of mine because the last time I was in New York City, and I believe that I, we recorded about this too, was when Adley yep. was at the MLB store and I just missed him. And this time, so the moral of the story is I should never go to New York City without going in the MLB store because who knows who you're going to see there. Um, so Ronald was there with, you know, his MVP trophy and his younger brother, Luis Angel, who is a, in the Mets organization, hasn't been brought up yet, but probably any day now. I actually saw him play when he was with the single A uh, Down East Wood Ducks playing at the Delmarva Shorebirds in 2021. He looks like he's grown up quite a bit since then. And I would I look forward to seeing him, you know, hopefully in person sometime at that Mets City Field. It'd be fun. That'd be a good thing to do when I go to to um, New York City. So, uh, yeah, that's just a little bit of thinking back on my travels. Excellent. Hey, it's a good day to be a well, good week to be a Baltimore mm. Orioles fan. It Holy just seems like shit. we've been holding our breath for a long time and good things have started to happen. And then one of them that I didn't put down here that I think I saw, but if I saw it, it was yesterday after the Cask Classic. So I didn't look it up again. So I'm not 100% sure, but okay. I think that Gunnar Henderson proposed to his longtime girlfriend oh, yesterday. Oh, really? So we're going to fact check that and report back. Wow. Uh, you know, but that's just, uh, you know, icing on top of the whole yeah. O's. Um, cake and the O's cake is mainly that the O's ownership is changing in such a good way. Yeah, and and props to breaking tea, uh, breaking tea, um, to for jumping on the I survived the Angelo Sarah <laughs> T-shirts already out. Uh, the O's have spent thirty years under the control of the Angelos family, Peter, and now John Angelos. Peter still um, he's uh, still kicking, but not actively involved. There is a group, ownership group, led by Baltimore billionaire, Baltimore-born David Rubenstein, who's the founder of the Carlyle Group, private equity firm. He's also quite the philanthropist around the you know Washington, D.C., Baltimore area. He just resigned from being the chair of the Kennedy Center. Oh, wow. So he, he does a lot of charitable stuff, too. So he kind of tries to balance off that, hey, private equity billionaire yeah. with you know doing good. And I think he can really win a lot of people over, depending on how he handles this whole ownership of the Orioles. Uh, his group is set to buy, upon approval, a 40% stake in the Baltimore Orioles. Also okay. in that investor group, Cal Ripken Jr., which couldn't make Baltimore fans sure. happier because all of a sudden, okay, we don't know for you know this billionaire for whatever, but we got Cal. Yeah. So clearly, we're going to give you our you know uh, our. There's not, we're not going to have a critical eye whatsoever when right. we think about this because Cal's involved, right? Michael Bloomberg. Is involved, yes, of, of, the, of the reports of New York, uh, you know, um, mayoral fame. Grant Hill, uh, NBA Hall of Famer, is part of this group. And interesting to uh, to Washington, Washington D.C. folks, Michelle King, who is the owner of the Washington Spirit, the women's soccer team, is part of this ownership group. She actually huh. owns a couple of um, international uh, soccer teams wow. as well. So that she's nice. and actually, on um, Grant Hill owns 
a variety or has a stake in a variety of other teams, including a women's soccer team and uh, an MSL team and wow. a couple. And I, and I think I think an NBA team. So these are people who are, invest in, in baseball teams or invest in Baltimore. And that's the story. So uh, Cal Ripken Jr. put out the Orioles have been a part of my life since I was a child. And this is a special Aww. day. I look forward to this opportunity and we'll do whatever I can to help the organization. Let's go O's. Rubenstein will be the, quote, control person, which is the name of the role of being the decision maker from okay. the ownership group. He is the control person. This ownership group will have an option, if they again, if they're approved, will have an option to purchase a majority stake in the organization right now we're at they're at 40 percent. oh i said we <laughs> wow so you're I, you're part of the ownership group then if only can i yeah. pay somebody like 10 bucks to, i would <laughs> right. absolutely love minority to minority owner right um so they have they've, this group has an option to purchase the majority share at the time of peter angelo's death okay so as you know, so there's a, an overlap with mm-hmm. angelo's oversight of the o's although john angelos is moving into sort of an oversight position not the he's not the decision guy he's not the control guy anymore this is all hinging Mm -hmm. on the approval of the owners of the other 29 teams there is a owners meeting this week in orlando but that's too soon nobody's ready to talk about this yet the next owners meeting will be in the summer and that's oh wow that is likely when they will vote on this ownership proposal so it will be a little while yet folks um the O's were valued at $1.7 billion, which is thought by a lot of people to be low. Other teams have been really? sold recently for about that amount, but they were losing teams. Wow. And the O's are on the upswing mm-hmm. right now. So so sort of popular opinion is that should be bumped. But the Angelos family apparently is okay with this because they have got all kinds of trouble right now. And I think they just need like to dump and run. Yeah, and they bought it for a shit ton less. Oh, they bought like 172 like, yeah. million, yeah. but that was 30 years ago. Right. Well, so there's that. Um, David Rubenstein says our collective goal will be to bring a World Series trophy back to the city of Baltimore. To the fans, I say we do it for you and can't do it without you, which is totally what I want to hear. Yeah. Thank you, new owner guy. And the thing I want to tell you, new owner guy, and all your your investor friends is now spend the money. Yeah. We want extensions for all those baby birds. Right. And start, start investing right now. That seems like a logical next step. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why, understandably, Baltimore fans should be really happy because this is exactly the right timing for something like this because you have the young talent who need to be locked down and to have somebody coming in who's willing to to do something with the right goal in mind is super impressive. And might I say that there's some other fan bases who are really fucking jealous, like us Red Sox. I mean, the, the A's folks for sure. Like, heart mm. goes out to them. But Red Sox folks are like, wait, we want that. So you know who yeah. else is pissed? The state of Maryland. Not the people in Maryland, really? but the state. Because if you remember, we've talked in past episodes about the negotiations about a new lease for Orioles Park at Camden Yards and rights to the de- development around Orioles Park at Camden Yards, and not oh, a right. not a peep of the sale, which clearly has had to have been in the works yep. for a long time, was shared with the state while these negotiations are going on, and the states like you withheld very important information. So Ooh, they will wow. not be sorry to see the Angelos family gone when they're really, really gone. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people on that bandwagon. On on the Red Sox, there is a teeny, teeny bit of hope. Um, Theo Epstein, who you know has godlike status, I think, for both Red Sox and Cubs fans, has just entered the the ownership group, the Fenway group. But 
I don't know. It's a lot murkier. I won't go into details, but it's it's not nearly as hopeful as what you're doing, but maybe it will stop our downward spiral. I, I like that we're doing the your and the are thing, like you and I have anything to do with right. this whatsoever. With it, yeah, everybody's be- much better off that well, way. Well, if it is, if, if I am part of this, I'm going to give myself credit because we have a new starting pitcher at Baltimore. On Thursday, I got a text that said, hey, Corbin Burns, you are a Baltimore Oriole. And it sure made me happy because we finally have an ace in Baltimore after a very long time of being without an ace. This was the day after this ownership deal was announced. So there, this was some great timing. It's like, let's just build on this and everybody's happy. So Corbin Burns was, we, the O's traded two prospects for Corbin Burns. Uh, he was formerly a brewer, right? He is the 2021 Cy Young winner. So this is a big deal. Yeah. The, the two guys that the Orioles traded, Joey Ortiz, who is an infielder, who is kind of blocked right now because we are the we <laughs> the <laughs> Orioles are super heavy right now on the left side, right? Yep, and so absolutely. they they like, where's Joey going to go? And pitcher DL Hall, who is one of my personal favorites, he of the formerly long hair, cut it off, but donated it, and just a good oh, dude. Right. I really like him, but you know what? DL may have a faster track to getting some playtime and and being good at what he does with Milwaukee. So I wish them both the best. And Wasn't he just in the the um, caravan stuff too? Didn't that he was participate? Last year. That? Oh, he didn't do this. Year? I don't think he did this okay. year. But th- this is this is when you say a big thank you to having this incredible farm system mm. because this was not. Yeah. We're paying for a free agent. This was we are trading. Some of these guys that we have been working with for years in the super deep farm system that the O's have, yeah. and the O's farm system may still be, you know, the top one or two deep farm systems in the league right now, and they were still able to trade for a recent Cy Young winner. Corbin Burns is kind of a rental. He's going to be a free agent at the end of this current season. So this ah. is a one-year thing. And then maybe by then, David and friends will have been voted in <laughs> and we have access to their billions and billions of dollars and we can pay to keep Corbin Burns or buy some friends for him. Uh, Michael Ice, the general manager of the Orioles, said that this is exactly what we needed, which is true. And said so we were in dogged pursuit of him the entire offseason. Wow. So finally worked. I think, I think they said that they weren't sure that Milwaukee was really going to entertain any any offers and they finally did and there you go persistence man milwaukee fans are not happy no i feel really bad for them i yeah well you know i see you guys more often so yeah (laughs) i'm happy for you yeah it'll be fun yeah sort of (laughs) all right before before i dwell too much about being sad about the state of the al east we're going to talk about our baseball boyfriends, the guys. Yeah. Before we go there, we can talk about Justin Turner. Oh, fuck. Yeah. B- past baseball boyfriend um, who I had picked back when he was on the Dodgers and then had a lovely year with the Red Sox and really like re-won me over as being somebody who just took on the new city. And he and his wife became super involved and they did charity events in Boston. And he really made it pretty clear that he would have liked to stay. And the fans really made it clear that they would have liked for him to stay. And the Red Sox ownership just doesn't know which fucking direction that they're going and they don't seem to really want a dh i think that the their new tact is to you know rotate players through that anyway justin turner found a home and a good home sadly also in the ales so this is ouch seeing all these ales teams do something that he's going to toronto 
And in a typical Justin Turner way, he posted lots of excitement about going to a new city, Toronto's great, and being excited about the idea of having a whole country behind him. He feels like, you know, Toronto is the only Canadian team now, and so therefore he's going to be playing for the country of Canada and putting his all into it. So I wish the best for Justin Turner, I think. But I'm sad to lose him. Yep. But you'll get to see him play a lot because, you know, AL East. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. I, <laughs> it's going to be a fun season. All right. We'll see. We'll see. We're still moments away from pitchers and catchers. And, you know, we Two still... weeks, man. Two weeks still pitchers yeah. and catchers. And, and still Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery don't have a home. So what the actual you got a spare room. fuck? Right. <laughs> Except for this would be a bad commute for Boston. So maybe. I mean, if, that's if you're going to go to the O's. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> nope. O's, O's can't afford it nope. until the ownership is approved. Yeah. There's talk about Yankees doing I don't know. Uh, that would just make me really, really, you know what, really I sad. I need to, to change that. O's could totally afford it. They, the current ownership would, chooses not to mm-hmm. afford that. There we go. All right. Thank you. All right. But I think they're looking at not leaving in really, really bad light. Like, I think this Corbin Burns is part of that. Like, they don't want to look like complete assholes on the way out. Probably. Probably. Who knows? Yeah. All right, back to our baseball boyfriends. New guys, guys that we pick in the offseason, one guy per team because they're cool. There's something that we like about them, and we go through all 30 teams from the worst record up to the best, and we're getting up there now. This week we are with Seattle for the American League and Miami for the National League. And uh, it, it does get harder every year doing this because our choices are limited because we don't repeat guys from past years except for one that we can hold over, and I already held my one over. So I'm scrambling every week to see who is left who we have not chosen before. This week, I did inadvertently get a theme of the week. My guys are really similar when you look at their past. They're both from San Pedro de Marcoris, which is a region of the Dominican Republic that's really well known for producing a lot of baseball players. They were both um, scrawny and sort of, you know, almost looked over when they were scouted but ended up being first-round picks in LEADOM in the Dominican Republic uh, Winter League. And they're both starting on a new team right now. So this is a new Mariner and a new uh, Miami guy, Marlin. A new Marlin. <laughs> and Look at you recover this. So yeah, nicely, it's, it's, I'm Very almost smooth. at the end of this green tea drink. And uh, and for both of them, too, it was hard to find information. I mean, the, the time I put into the amount that I'm going to say is really a little bit skewed there. Anyway, Jorge Polanco. Second base, also plays shortstop, 30 years old. And I was actually looking at him last week when he was on the Twins and we picked (laughs) Twins guys. And it's a good thing that I didn't pick him because that would have been my first disappointment of the fantasy baseball boyfriend season. So he got traded. I was going to say tweeted. (laughs) Tweeted from the Twins. Wow. He got tweeted from the Twins for four guys. So my first look at this as a complete outsider who, you know, doesn't have a a dog in the race for either the Twins or for Seattle, I thought, you know, that's a pretty good deal for the Twins because, I mean, they got two prospects plus two uh, current pitchers. So uh, relief pitcher, Justin Topa, starting pitcher, Anthony Disclefani, who I remembered because I had picked Giants pitching last year and he was there but apparently he just got flipped around and then two prospects uh, another pitcher and an outfielder 
but one of the complaining uh, Twins fans, who, you know, Twins fans are very sad to be losing Polanco, and I'll go into that a little bit more, said that it was a trade of quality for quantity. So basically, out of these four, nobody's really proven. It's a crapshoot. You never know. I mean, especially with prospects. Who knows? It could be the next great. You know, the, the Twins let David Ortiz go, so you never know. Um, Polanco signed, he's been with the Twins since signing. He signed with them way back in 2009 at age 16 in sort of this uh, sweep of an international signing that the Twins had that year because they also got Miguel Sano, who was really focused on that year and ironically isn't now isn't doing as well as Polanco and Max Kepler um, from Germany. So and, and actually Kepler had a really sweet uh, sort of like goodbye to, to Polanco because they were roommates together like back in the early days and saying that they've been together all along. And how sad is this? Um, and so what did Jorge Polanco do when he was signed? And, and not a, he got a, a good bonus, but not nothing compared to Miguel Sano. That was like the the shiner at the moment and where the twins were spending their money. But with the money that he did get, he said he bought his mom a house or made his, got a, a house built for his mom. Um, and he was super eager. So he was definitely young, sort of, you know, waiting to, to fill out and build, but he wanted to show his enthusiasm at wanting to be scouted. And so he knew the scouts were around and he always had his uniform on him, his baseball uniform. If he knew it was going to be a big day for the scouts, he would wear his uniform to school. Otherwise, it would be in his backpack just in case. I like the at the ready there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, he was brought up in 2014, and he was the first twin since Joe Maurer, recent Hall of Fame guy, to debut before turning 21. And there's a lot of parallels there. And they thought that he was going to be a twins lifer like Maurer. He was with them for 10 years. And before this trade, he was the longest twin year. I can't handle the twins. You're, you're having a whole Elmer Fudd situation here. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, he was the longest tenured twin. Whew, 10 times fast um, before being traded. Uh, and it really wasn't a huge surprise. These talks have been going on for a couple of years, and the twins infield, kind of like we were talking about with, with Baltimore, has gotten very crowded. And through that, he just kind of kept that like day-to-day -day mentality, saying that I'm just going to live in the present, I'm going to be the best I can every day, and live in the moment. So in 14 and 15, he was just up for a few games and got his starting job in 2017, but had, some, had a lot of ups and downs. He was really close to his grandmother, and she died in 2017. And, and if you look at the timing of it, it really does seem like it affected his game. And, you know, there's that's the, always like when you see players take a dip, think about them being human and things going on in their lives. And I saw one article from before that that talked about when he would go back, even when he was in the you know very beginning minors, that he would always go to grandma's house for dinner. And that was, you know, like his home in a lot of ways in the Dominican Republic. He did turn it around in the second half and ended up really key in the Twins postseason run. And then the following year, so, you know, it looked like he was going to have a really big 2018 and was suspended for 80 games for PED abuse. So this is where this isn't a deal breaker. There are certain things that are deal breakers for boyfriends. Absolutely. Any kind of, of um, discrimination or abuse, things like that. But the drug stuff is a little bit fuzzier for me, and especially if they don't do it again. And at this time, he was super young. He's coming off of 
you know, a, his first sort of like big down in his in his career. And who knows if he was looking for something to sort of just like get that swing back or if it was the excuse that he gave, which so many other players have given that it was a vitamin supplement that he got in the Dominican Republic and he didn't know that that was in it. Regardless, he did manage to bounce back without the drugs, and in 2019 was his huge breakout year. He It started with him being the first player in MLB to hit for the cycle that year, and then he became starting shortstop for the All-Star game. In 2021, he moved to second base because Andrelton Simmons, and he stayed on second base because Carlos Correa. So despite the move in 21, he still did well. And it was the whole mentality of I'm going to play wherever I'm needed. He was the third player since RBI became an official stat in 1920 to win three consecutive regular season games with a walk-off RBI. Wow. So that's kind wow. of like that, that was a week. He had some health issues in both 22 and 23, which limited his playing time. And then the guys that we did talk about last week were coming up and doing well. So the time that he got on the IL was time for them to come in and shine. And he missed 184 games between 22 and 23. And so your guy from last week, Eduardo Julien, got a lot of playing time. And when he came back up, Julien was doing, he was hot. And you don't take out a player who's hot. So they actually had um, Polanco play third base in order to be able to keep Julien in the lineup. And he said, you know, I love to play, even though he had only played third base nine times in his MLB career, and they were all in 2016. He said, I won't ever ask for a day off in my career. I don't like to ask for a day off. If they give it to me, I take it, something I can't control. It's the manager's job, but I just like to play. And he got that time also because my boyfriend that I picked last week, Royce Lewis, was on the IL. So basically, you know, the twins had a glut. This makes a lot of sense for them, despite the fans, you know, really missing him. And uh, and one more thing that I that I that a little click for why he should be my baseball boyfriend is that he was on Leonis del Escogido in Lidom. He was a first round pick in 2013. So, you know, a whole different system, a whole different um, what do you call that thing? Drafting, drafting players. <laughs> and so he was a first round pick. Uh, he played through 16 with them, and then since then hasn't played more, mostly due to the health concerns. And if he's having, you know, struggles during the season, then he shouldn't be playing in the winter. And then also because of team control stuff. But in every interview that I saw of him in the Dominican Republic said that he hopes to return, although a lot of comments said, you know, that's what they all say. What really uh, impre impressed me about him, he got some time with Nelson Cruz on the Twins, and so... The, the quotation I'll leave with is he said, I want to be Nelson Cruz as a person, as a player. I want to play when I'm 40 years old, too. So, you know, meaning we know that Nelson Cruz has done so much for his home country. And so that there's so much more than just being a wonderful player and playing into your 40s, but also that giving back. So I'm hoping that Jorge Polanco has learned from his errors and uh, will be doing well with Seattle, which seems like a really good fit. All right. So my two guys have both spent an enormous, an enormous amount of time in the minor leagues, seven, mm. at least seven years, a little more than that in some cases. That's, that's sort of their commonality. The commonality between my Seattle guy and your Seattle guy is they both were traded to the Mariners within one day of each other. Really? Yeah. So Samad Taylor, so utility player, he's played every position except huh. for first base pitcher and catcher. He's 25, just became a Mariner the day after Jorge Polanco became that's a Mariner. Funny. Right. 
So Samad is from Corona, California, where he grew up going to Dodgers and Angels games with his family. Remember Angels for in a little bit. That's going to be important. He played ball since he was like three years old, but he's small-ish for you know major league players. Uh, his uncle calls him a 5'8 giant. <laughs> and at one point, you know, he was super fast. He's super fast. And at one point, his family was, was saying, you may want to consider soccer because you're so fast and you can run around all the time and your size is better, maybe better suited for soccer. He's like, mm, no, no, I'm baseball. I am all wow. baseball, all the way baseball. He was drafted out of high school from Corona High School in the 10th round of 2016 by Cleveland, oh. who held on to him for a hot minute and then traded him to Toronto in 2017. So super quick turnaround to Toronto and he was there minor leagues four years and then in 2022 like right before the trade deadline he led so Toronto's AAA is the the Buffalo Bisons right so in 2022 he before the trade deadline he was leading the Bisons in runs home runs runs batted in walks and stolen bases wow that's a lot of categories right and then at the trade deadline off to Kansas City he goes right but they said about him, he's, this is why I think you would like him, because he's a joyful, energetic, this is the quote, joyful, energetic clubhouse guy. Mm-hmm. Here's how to pump everybody Love else that. up. He says... I lose a lot of sleep because I want to be on the ball field at all times. I love being at the field. I love being around the guys. The dirt and grass, it's home, right? So, you know, he's in the minor leagues. He is, it's a, it's grueling, right? You know, it's a slug. It's a, it's a, what do I want to say? It's a slog? Slug. Slog. Slog is the word. Yeah. Slog is the word. Slug is the, the insect. Yeah, right. But so, you know, insect? he's working hard. Animal. He's like just sort of like plodding through all this, but he's wants to play baseball. He's in it. Yeah. He's in it. He goes from Toronto to Kansas City at the trade deadline in 2022 in the Whit Merrifield trade, in the trade oh. that send, sends Merrifield to Toronto. Cool Whit. Cool Whit. That's right. The next year, June 17th, 2023, he makes his debut for Kansas City. And this is incredibly memorable to everybody except for Samad, who swears he can't remember any of this because here's what happened, right? Kansas City had gone into this game against the Angels, right? One of the teams he grew up watching, right? On a 10-game losing streak, right? And they they are behind inning after inning after inning in this game. And while this is happening, so MJ Melendez says during the game and even before the game, he was constantly picking everybody up, being the leader, even as the guy who's making his debut. So this is his first major league oh, game. Wow. And he's like, come on, come on, come on. You know, like, you know, we're, we're behind, but we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. His first hit is at that game, at his debut. In the ninth inning, he hit a walk-off single over Mike Trout's head. Wow. In this comeback win over the That's Angels. Amazing. And you might enjoy the fact that the man he drove in was Mikhail, Michael Garcia, who's your ah, boyfriend there. That's awesome. And he says, I don't remember anything. But <laughs> another one of, you know, past boyfriends, so Bobby Wood Jr. was a recent boyfriend of mine, took it upon himself to run out of the dugout to get that baseball, which was sitting on the warning track. And center field is like, oh my God, yeah. we gotta get that ball. And the manager joked that I, I, I had money on him over the over the, the ball boy to, to get out there and, and get that and bring it Sweet. back in. Um, but so he rescued it. And the inter- of course, you know, they always interview the parents, right, at a debut. And his dad, um, Shahib Taylor says, everything just starts coming back into your head from the kid in the backyard to this. I can't put that into freaking words. 
He said freaking. He said freak. Well, it said freaking, and it didn't have quotes around freaking. So All I think right. he really said freaking. So yeah, this is your kind of family. Right. See? See? So that season, this past season, 2023, he played 31 games for Kansas City. He had, he went eight for eight in stolen bases. He mostly played for AAA Omaha, and he finished that part of the season with a 302 average and 43 stolen bases. Wow. He was, again, as I said, just traded to Seattle moments ago for a player to be named later, mainly because Kansas City needs lefties, right? So his manager, Kansas City manager, said he's athletic, he's a good teammate, he's fast, he's just right-handed, and we need lefties, and we wish him well. So, so it can be something as like yeah. very detailed as a tiny as that to, to get you sent over. So I'm really excited about this kid. He looks like he's has a good time. Like one of the things that we have always looked for in baseball boyfriends is someone who knows they're playing a game and has a good time doing yeah. it. They really embrace the fact that they're playing a game for a living. And that's what I'm seeing with Samad Taylor. Cool. That's a great intro because that's what uh, my next guy is all about. Also, Vidal Brujan for Miami Marlins, right fielder, maybe second base, 25 years old. And I picked him originally because I really, really, really thought he would be playing right now in the Serie del Caribe because I'd been watching him in Lidam this offseason. But he didn't go. And I don't I mean, I don't know if it's because of the trade, because of the new team. But he, I did get to see him play a bit in the winter, so I'm excited about that. He signed with the Rays back in 2014 for $15,000, which is a lot of money to a kid in the Dominican Republic, but not a lot of money for a signing bonus. And he said, even though my bonus was, was short, was small, um, I'm using it to build a house for my mom. So the same sort of thing that I just talked about with Jorge Polanco, both of them. The first thing they do with their signing bonus is build a house for mom. And he said because she deserves it. So at um, high A in 2018, he was the first raised minor leaguer ever with 100 runs and 50 stolen bases in a season. And he's known for stealing bases and he's known for being fast. Baseball America called him the fastest base runner in the raised system for three years straight. At the AAA level, also versatile, and I really wish Yahoo would give me credit for this, but it looks like all I'm going to get is right field and second base. At AAA in Durham, he played second base, left field, center field, shortstop, right field, and third base. And he was on the top raised prospect list from 2019 to 22 in the top 50 overall for 2021, which is really rare for a kid who signed with the $15,000, like no big deal bonus. Um, his minor league manager in the Rays said nobody works harder than Vidal. And he came to us a 50, 150 pounds soaking wet, if uh. even that. And he just continues to get stronger every year. And from the look at him, he's gotten a lot stronger. Um, his dad died in October 8 of 2018 at age 52. From And it depends on, I saw two sources. One said complications associated with a stomach condition. Another one said a heart attack. But it was a, a big, you know, for so many reasons, influential event in his life. Because his dad was the one who gave him his rides to practice, bought his equipment, and has stayed, you know, in his mind since then. And I'm going to get back to that at the end. 2021, he was in the Futures game. And then that July, he made his MLB debut against Cleveland with an RBI single. And being super personable about the fans had like a little Twitter, like send me questions afterwards. And 
answered a bunch of questions in English. So I was trying to look into how he learned English so well. But I mean, if he was reacting that fast in Twitter, he must have a pretty good degree of fluency. And he said, let's put it like this. I still don't believe I played in the big leagues today. I see pictures and videos and ask myself, who's that guy? No joke. And then most of 22 and 23, he spent in AAA, went up and down a lot. And this makes me wonder, like I look back to, we talked, I talked about Oswaldo Cabrera, right, for with the Yankees, who this really messed him up. It's not just the time of being in the minors, it's the up and down and the instability. So he played 99 MLB games, but he was up and down seven times in 2022 and six times in 23. And he even said that this was difficult mentally and that it's just out of your control. Like you have, you know, nothing you can you can do about it. He did excel when he was in AAA. And in 2022, the Bulls won the International League Championship and he was MVP of that championship. So it seems like, you know, once again, hopefully it's like a win-win situation. The Rays didn't have anything to do with him. He was traded in November to Miami. Um, He's out of options. So Miami's going to be playing him. So I guess that's good for my fantasy league. Probably more likely a bench than a starter. He was not prepared for it. He said it was a big shock. I'm not going to lie because Tampa was my family. Tampa is my family and I learned a lot there. Um, But I'm going to uh, get better, and and that's what that's where I'm going from here. So in Lidom, he started also just like Jorge Polanco. He was a first round draft pick, but with the Toros del Este in 2018, and just this past season. So man, talk about this guy being a little bit having a lot shaken up for him. He was traded to the Estrellas Orientales in uh, July of 2023. Actually, he went to. From the Toros to Cibao, they flipped him to the Orientales. Last year, he did have time playing in the finals for Lidam because he got to be pulled in with Tigres de Licey as a, as a refuerzo, as a reinforcement. And so he played through the finals then, and he played through the finals again this year against Licey on behalf of the Estrellas Orientales. But he did really well in the playoffs, and he said that it was uh, to honor his father because his dad was a lifelong fan of the Estrella Sorrentales. So I think that made the trade over there a little bit easier and also made him play really hard. And in the finals, he was tied for the second best average after Robinson Cano in all players in the finals. And he played under Fernando Tati Sr., the manager of Estrellas Orientales, and liked playing under him because he said that he gave us the the liberty to flow in the game. That's what I liked the most about him. So he's known for his enthusiasm and his you know general positive attitude. In the 2021 scouting report I saw said that he was a true joy to watch on the field, plays with a big smile. So I'm hoping that I get to see him playing in Miami, and I hope he adjusts well. At least it's not too far to visit his friends in Tampa. That's right. Yeah. That's right. When we were at uh, Denison's yesterday for the Cask Classic, um, the people standing behind me in line were talking about Tampa and trying to identify like Tampa and St. Petersburg. And I didn't wait long enough to figure out if they were talking about maybe where a Tampa stadium Oh. would be or they're just I mean I suppose there are other things to talk about in the state of Florida <laughs> but for me I'm like is this a baseball thing is this a baseball thing hey for the second week in a row we're talking about a De La Cruz hey this time from Miami Brian De La Cruz the okay. left fielder who is 27 years old he's a native of Santo Domingo Este in the Dominican Republic that's the other side of the river apparently oh yep um 
he grew up playing Vitia, which is a version of stickball, which I bet you could put on any player that we talk about yep. coming up from the Dominican Republic. He signed as an international free agent at age 17 in 2013 for $170,000, wow. which is a, a lot of money in the in that scheme of things. Yep. He's got a lot of comparisons uh, to Tasker Hernandez, oh, some of which are because they're both six foot two inches tall. They're outfielders from the Dominican Republic, but also both of them were stuck in the minor leagues until they were traded somewhere else to get them unstuck. So they can yeah. play in the bigs. In Hernandez's uh, situation, it was when he got traded to Toronto, all of a sudden he was you know, out from under his backlog at Houston of, of outfielders and could shine. So De La Cruz has spent seven and a half years in the minor league system of Houston, mainly because of that, because they're just loaded for outfielders and there was nothing, he had nothing to do. Nothing to do. So it was actually really good for him to get traded to Miami on July 28th in 2021 in the Yemi Garcia trade. Because two days later, he got to debut as a major leaguer. He debuted for Miami in right field versus the Yankees. And he said, I wanted to yell really loud, I'm a big leaguer, <laughs> but I'm new here. I didn't know anybody. Aww. So that wasn't something I could do in the middle of the clubhouse. <laughs> so I appreciate it. He, he did not score. A hit in the he did did not hit safely in the first two games, but he had a spectacular catch in his debut in the outfield, and his joke was, "No, nah, he just hit it in the wrong place." <laughs> so that's you know a little, little bit of yeah, no, it's fine, it's fine. But then he he hit safely in fourteen of his next seventeen games, including two three hit games. Wow, that's his a first great way to start his first grand slam was August thirteenth. So that's you know two weeks after his debut in his first thirty eight games, his average was. 349, which is the highest in Marlins history for the first 38 games of anybody's major league career for the Marlins. 349. That's crazy. That's pretty high. Um, Again, seven and a half years in the minor leagues. And as you probably know, a lot of minor leaguers spend a lot of time playing video games. You're sitting around (laughs) a lot and you don't have any money. So, you know, what you do for fun is sit around a lot and play video games and they played road to the show a lot and part of that game is you create your own player and you kind of guide them into the major leagues and he said i used to have to create myself but the real one's here now which i think is really pretty cool he has twins he's he's married has twin kids um eliel and noriel and he has a necklace that has uh, photos of the two of them Aww. together that he wears all the time. And what he said was, every time I go to the baseball field, if I'm feeling tired, if I'm feeling like I want to go run away or something like that, I see a picture of them. And I know why I get up every morning, why I do what I have to do, why I have to grind. They are the reason of my life. And that's why I keep them very close to me all the time. So gotta love that. Uh, for Mother's Day this past season, he had custom cleats made that had... Uh, one had an image of his wife, the mother of his children, and the other one had a, an, Im- an image of his mother on it, which was really Aww. pretty sweet. And he kind of sums up where he's at right now. He says there's a, a saying in the Dominican Republic that it's, I'm living the movie. <laughs> so yay. So that's, 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 I'm looking forward to watching Brian Dela Cruz play next week. We're going to talk about Toronto and Arizona. Wow. We're really getting up there. Yeah. We're only about halfway through, but it feels like we're really getting up there. Really? Well, maybe a little more than halfway yeah. through. Yeah. Gosh. All right. All right. Here we go. So uh, a little cross-training with hockey. I was inspired by our Winter Cast Classic yesterday. 
And also Joey Votto, former pick of mine from the Wayback Machine for the Reds, who's still homeless. And I'm, I'm a little concerned about him. I really hope that he lands somewhere because he really wants to be playing this year. But he's trying to keep himself busy. And he's a Canadian, lives in Toronto. So he was at the Hockey All-Star Game yesterday and put his time to good use what I think is is an admirable feat. He tried to get selfies with all of the mascots. So MLB did an article <laughs> on this. But the place to really go for this, and I hope it's still up, is his Instagram story because he's got this series of pictures of him with every mascot. Oh, that's great. But then he had a little um, to-do with Gritty from the oh, Flyers. Oh, did he now? So apparently he tried to get a picture with Gritty and Gritty wouldn't face the camera. So he tweeted. Gritty's got attitude. Yeah. He said, Gritty, not friendly. Oh. And then he DM'd Gritty. So he sent him a personal message saying, you had your chance. I'll never forgive you. Go (gasps) Penguins. Oh. Gritty replied to him, where are you sitting? (laughs) (laughs) So Gritty found Votto and they got their selfie together. And then Votto posted, it's all love Gritty. So if you want to see the little Votto gritty uh, love affair, definitely check it out. Meanwhile, Joey Votto is sporting quite the beard. He could really pass for a hockey player. And maybe he should just, (laughs) like, you know, change professions at this point. Then as I was looking into hockey and – you know, I'm as much as I'm sad about the the future of the Red Sox. I'm very excited about winter sports in Boston. Both the Celtics and the Bruins are doing really well, and one of the Bruins goalies, Jeremy yeah. Swayman, made it to the All Star game. And so that's what what brought my attention to him yesterday was I saw this this hug celebration thing, and I, so of course hugs are adorable. All about the hugs. Yeah. So who doesn't? I I am very pro hugs in sports. I think there should be more hugging. I think hugging is a very good thing among teammates, and you know actually between teams, sure why not show a little bit of love. So apparently this hug thing goes back. Linus Ulmark, the other goalie for the Bruins, and Jeremy have an. I quote, and I did not author this, a quote, adorable goalie Selly. So every time Someone they win. Someone else said adorable? Yes. In a sports context? In a sports context. So after Cheers. every Bruins win, they hug. And they don't just hug. It's like a very animated hug. They kind of go down, and then they go way up, and then they embrace in all their goalie gear. So really, you know, there's a lot between them during this hug. They actually got scolded last November by the Bruins medical staff for putting too much energy in their hugs and their, you know, Were worried their hugs of, a danger to themselves and others? I think they're worried about, yeah, hug fallout. So um, this <laughs> sta- started way back with the 21-22 season. And they said that this was the little, little thing that we do, which is a simple hug. And it just grew and grew and grew. And all of a sudden, we're getting videos and pictures from minor goaltenders. We're getting videos from their moms <laughs> just thanking us for showing that love, that happiness, and respect toward each other. So, yeah, I would, like, as a mom, definitely encourage more hugging. So Swayman took this to the All-Star game. He's all excited to be there. It was after the the first day, the, the competition night on Friday night. He was in the locker room, and as all the other goalies went by, and they know that he's a hugger, they would he would stop them and hug them, except for... 
Thatcher Demko from the Canucks, who just blew him off. And so there's a big spin from both fan bases on Twitter and other social media about this. But, you know, it might have something to do with the Canucks just barely having a better record than the Bruins and the two of them being on top of everybody else. So we're talking about some pre-Stanley Cup smackdown, probably at least pre-playoff smackdown. Or you know, it could be that some people don't like to be hugged. It could be that. It could be that. I mean, I don't know those people, but I hear right. they're out there. Yeah, yeah. You could have like done a fist bump or something. Like if you don't want to be hugged, at least wave, smile. I mean, did he like flip him off or something? He or just did... he. Well, you know, of did course, he give, him, he, give him that some, look. Some people say that he just didn't notice and just walked by him, but every other guy like who was also walking by him stopped and hugged. Mm. So I, it just it was a very snubby kind of. I look. don't know whether I want to lean into this is a scandal or lean into the. Oh, it's just. It's not a thing at all. But I can go either yeah. way. I can right. very easily be tipped into getting all hot and bothered about this or just letting it go. Yeah. Well, well let's see what happens with the playoffs. All right. All right. Hey, police blotter follow up from Oof. last week's horrible story, which has in fact gotten worse, about the Jackie Robinson statue being stolen from this little league set of ballparks in so Wichita, gross. Kansas. The statue has been found. Oh. Oh, no. It's oh, so bad. No. It was taken apart and set on fire oh in a trash can. It was only found because there were flames. So the fire department was called because there is a giant trash can on fire. So the, the fire department comes, puts out the fire and finds freaking pieces of this statue. Oh, my God. Still no arrests have been made. The police said they have found the truck. Remember, there's a video from a distance of two people stealing this, throwing it in the back of a pickup truck. So they found the truck. They have conducted, they say, over 100 wow. interviews. Uh, still haven't turned up or are unwilling to say they've turned up the actual perpetrators of this whole thing. In the meantime, humanity kicks in. Yeah. And on, a, on, a, on several different levels, the commissioner's office, which is weird for me to say near the word humanity, the commissioner's <laughs> office and all 30 major league Ball clubs have committed funds to not only replace the statue, but to help fund League 42, which is the the name for this giant Little League association of like 600 players, I think we said. And there's a separate GoFundMe campaign that has already raised $150,000. So the... Again, as we said last week, there is still... The mold from the original artist, the mold still exists. So they could cast something that will look, it will be very much like the original one. They may do something different that incorporates that look and does something else. Now they have a little bit of funding to do it. And if there is funding beyond because of these commitments, both at the like MLB corporate level and also at the personal level, these individual mm-hmm. donations, extra funds would go towards education programs that League 42 would present. So it's going to go back into the community beyond replacing this sculpture which is good so clearly the community needs a lot of education if there's somebody you know in the vicinity i mean who knows where these people are from but it's just i feel so sort of torn like i definitely want these people to be apprehended but i don't know if i really want to know what they have to say because there's no good there's no good statement there is no good there's statement. nothing nope nope we'll just get either the same level of angry or more angry that's exactly what i was yeah. thinking exactly fuck all right 
So um, luckily we can pivot to something a little bit happier to, to sign off here, the Serie del Caribe, which is still going on even as you are listening right now, probably unless you're like way in the future. But uh, <laughs> it's going to go on until the end of the week. Uh, this past Friday night, Friday night, maybe it was Saturday night because it was while I was watching. That would be last night. The uh, there was a record. You don't remember last night, do you? No, no, it was so fuzzy. I tried so I did stay up and watch this game. So it was Puerto Rico against the Dominican Republic, which of course you know in Miami is going to be the biggest uh, fan bases of the tournament, and they broke a Serie del Caribe record. There were thirty five thousand nine hundred and seventy two people in attendance. Now, mind you, usually the Serie del Caribe is played in other countries. Um, this is the first time that it's been the Marlin Stadium. It was in Miami once before, but in another location. But for for comparison, uh, the Caguas, the Cruz de Caguas, the Puerto Rican team, their stadium holds 10,000. And the Tigres de Licey, their stadium holds 14,469. So those two stadiums put together is still not as big as the amount of people who are in attendance there. So this is Lone Depot Park. Yep. 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 And the Lone Depot Park capacity is 37,446. So there are just a couple thousand under capacity. So who knows what's going to happen for the finals, especially if these teams somehow have a, a rematch. And I think that's going to be happening the way things are going. It was Puerto Rico's first defeat of the series. They had two wins before going up against the DR, and they lost that game in an exciting, I think it was 5-2. to two. So we've got baseball boyfriends all over the place in the Serie de Caribe. So if you're wanting, wondering who to cheer for, you can uh, think about these guys. I checked. I don't think we have anybody on Mexico or Nicaragua, at least at first blush. But Panama, two of my former baseball boyfriends, Christian Bet Betancourt and Johan Camargo, are both on Panama right now. And they're actually, at the time of recording, they were technically in first place because they had three wins. Uh, Curacao is surprisingly stacked. Everybody's coming back to play for the, the home team. Jerickson Profar, Didi Gregorius, Jonathan Scope, and Andrelton Simmons are all playing on Curacao. Isn't there another Profar, too? There is. There's a Jeremy Profar. You know what? There's actually two Scopes and two... I'm not sure if both Profars are playing. I know that Baby Scope is playing. So there's okay. a couple of Scopes yeah. and maybe a Profar, too, on, uh, on Curacao. Puerto Rico, which is actually the team that I'm really rooting for because Vima Machin and Elliot Ramos, who are both previous picks of mine who have not really like excelled in MLB yet, but I still keep hope. And Elliot Ramos has been doing really well. Plus, Yadier Molina, my former pick from uh, St. Louis, now being the manager and being a... Uh, I, I just love seeing him and his focus in the dugout during the game. And there was an article that I saw that talked about Yadi Ball, where he's really into the small ball. And he said that we play small ball, we play to get on base and then to move players around. Although last night they did strand a bunch, so I was kind of thinking maybe a couple of big swings might have been helpful <laughs> once you had some guys on base against the DR. DR has uh, two of my former picks, Robinson Cano and Leori Garcia. And Venezuela has Alcides Escobar and Wilson Ramos, both previous picks of yours, although they do get negative points for having Odebel Herrera and Yasiel Puig. Where do you watch? Watch on ESPN Deportes or ESPN Plus. It is on every day through Wednesday at 10.30 in the morning, 3.30 in the afternoon, 8.30 in the evening, Eastern Standard Time. The semifinals will be Thursday at 3.30 and 8.30. Finals at 8 p.m. on Friday with that third place game at 3 p.m. on Friday. 
So clear your Friday calendars, if nothing else. That is pretty exciting. Oh, my friends, please get a hold of us because our corrections department is always open. Oh, we, yeah. We, <laughs> we uh, love to take any recommendations for future guys to profile. Next week, again, is going to be Toronto and Arizona. So if you have some ideas of guys we haven't talked about before, please let us know about that. And let us know what you're up to as we're approaching spring training. Potty Mouth, where can people find us? You can find us on X, Twitter, and Blue Sky, which is much happier. So go there at NCIB Podcast, Facebook, and Instagram are No Crying in B-Ball. And we love our Patreon supporters. Thank you guys all so much. You keep us going. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash No Crying in B-Ball. And you get little fun bonuses every week, plus uh, abilities to chat with us. And, you know, we're open to other suggestions. So find us on Patreon. We are very reasonable. Please get your boosters. Fight the man is the right thing to do. Still have some game balls. Send them to Meredith. And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. Are you ready? I think so. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that word means what I think it means. (laughs) What the fuck? Oh, I know what that means. Mm.